HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American international style and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country? For more information, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting Curd, live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Greg Blaze. On today's episode, we have Jess Perry and Emily Sharton, the 2013 to 2014 Daphne Zeppos Teaching Awards Scholarship winners. How are you girls doing today? Thank you. <laughs> doing good? Good to you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's nice to speak to you both again from the ACS. For those of you who don't know, the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award was established in order to connect cheese professionals here in the U.S. with the history, culture, and techniques in making and selling cheese abroad, sending bright cheesemakers and mongers as ambassadors of the cheese community here in the U.S. Um, Daphne Zeppos, as I knew her, was a, a brilliant woman and an ambassador of so many things, and I'm sure she would have been proud of uh, both of your accomplishments and seeing you guys both win this award. <clears throat> so I know, Jess, you have already been on to talk about your award when you just got it in uh, 2013, and I want to get to a little bit uh, in a little bit of talking to you about um, what your experience was, but I wanted to congratulate first uh, Emily Sharton on winning that award. How do you feel Thank about you. that? Uh, pretty, it's pretty great. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been pretty overwhelming, definitely. Um, you know, learning, learning, uh, you know, learning the news, and then getting to go to ACS. Uh, but I'm, I'm very honored and very excited. Um, when I spoke to you at the ACS, you said you didn't have quite an idea of what you were going to do um, with the award. But before you go into that, I was um, wondering if maybe you could tell us how you came to apply for the award and just a little bit about your background uh, in the cheese industry. Sure. Um, let's see. I um, started in cheese uh, as a, a cheesemonger um, for a shop called Fromagio Kitchen uh, in in Massachusetts, in Cambridge. Uh, that was really um, really a great a great foundation. I got to do a little bit of everything there. Um, and then 
uh, after about four years, um, I moved actually uh, to California, where I now live, and uh, I work uh, in wholesale distribution for Tamales Bay Foods. So, seen um, you know, seen this industry definitely from from uh, a lot of different angles. Um, still mostly on the trade side, less on the you know on the cheese making side, um, and um, you know, knew about this award. Um, you know, knew knew kind of what it was all about. Um, was very interested uh, in particular in its emphasis on teaching and education. Um, you know, one of the things that I was particularly involved in um, as a as a cheesemonger was was education. We did a lot of classes at Formaggio Kitchen. Um, you know, so that was a big part of what I did. Um, and started thinking about you know about about ideas um, about about sort of a, a proposal that I could make. Um, this my idea kind of came together or started to come together when I was um, traveling in France earlier this year, um, visiting shops, visiting cheesemakers and, and offenors, because that is what I do on vacation. It's <laughs> um, a great thing and, to do. <laughs> um, it just kind of started to, to think about what these folks do, you know, these people who have, have this job in France, you know, wh- what do they do? And, and a, big, a big thing that stuck out for me was the emphasis on affinage uh, and on very sort of meticulous cheese care. Um, so that, you know, that kind of in a, in a nutshell is what my proposal was, just to, to go back to France, to spend more time with these folks, uh, to see what they do, to see how this system works for them, um, and what parts of it we can, we can maybe bring back um, and incorporate here in the U.S., you know, how, how can we make our, our trade stronger. Um, clearly, there are a lot of folks doing this already in the U.S., um, but, you know, what is it, you know, what about this system can we... Well, it's always good to get a different perspective, especially a historical perspective, I think. Yeah. Um, Jess, you, you came in as a, as a, a cheesemaker, and you're still a cheesemaker. Um, you, uh, you were really interested in the chemistry and the, and the science of cheesemaking. Um, I would be correct in, in assuming that, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have my undergrads in uh, chemistry, so when I first started making cheese uh, in Maine at Silver Moon Creamery, I definitely was interested in the chemistry aspects of it for sure. Yeah, and how, and then with my DZTA, it was more like how the environment affects, you know, how you make cheese uh, in a certain area. I thought it was interesting, um, uh, and for after listening to uh, your your earlier interview with Anne. Um, about how interested you were in the in the chemistry and the science of making cheese, and yet you went to the Basque country, a place where I've always been taught, at least in the for the French cheeses that I've bought, that the recipes and the cheese making processes there were a little bit more um, like proprietary. That they're the cooperative of shepherds that would sort of pass the recipes down to the cheesemakers, and it was harder. Maybe it was a more process oriented thing. Did you find that to be true? Yes. I absolutely. <laughs> um, besides the fact that there was, you know, language barrier, um, all I could really gain regarding the chemistry of things and recipe was just visual observation. Um, they were definitely they like very private people for sure and kept their secrets. Um, so when it came to presenting, I had to like, I definitely had to approach it differently. You know, besides the chemistry, I had to be like, well, what else did I learn? Um, so I agree. Yeah, they're very private people. <laughs> well, I mean, when I when I bought Pyrenees cheeses in the past, and I met some, some of the some of the 
producers. That's the thing. I mean, I was I was taught that even amongst their even amongst the shepherds, even amongst the co-ops, sometimes people just don't get the recipes. They just have to give their milk up to other people to make the cheese. So I was I thought that was an interesting uh, an interesting point. Um, mm-hmm. uh, would you uh, would you say to uh, to Emily that uh, she should be prepared for? Uh, maybe somewhat less inclusive uh, experience when she gets over there, maybe just uh, have to watch and see? Uh, yeah, I definitely think flexibility is key. And um, just go with the flow, you know, take what you can, and realize, like, your initial vision may not be what you thought it would be in the end, um, but still, you know, enjoying every moment. <laughs> of course, it's a trip to Europe. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know, right? Jesus, right? Like, you know, France. Hello, <laughs> where, Emily? Where are you? Uh, even if, and I know you haven't planned it out, but uh, where do you think? Uh, where do you think you're going to go? You're going to go to like the Loire River Valley, or are you going to stick around in in and around Paris, or uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, all of all of those, all of those, all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, uh, Paris. Um, I think definitely just because, uh, as you said, you know, just because of the history, you know, because there are so many shops there that have been doing this um, for for generations, um, you know, but there are uh, clearly, um, you know, often is based in, in other parts of the country um, that I'd be very interested in um, spending time with. Um, Hervé Mont has been a big supporter of the DZTA, you know, yeah. so I'm very much hoping that will be, um, you know, a, a stop uh, but yeah, still trying to kind of figure out. Uh, I mean, I I would love to go as many places as I can. So, <laughs> um, still trying to figure out, you know, how best to to make that work. Well, Jess, it's funny. Like, so when you so you got your award, you got your scholarship, and then you went you went to Europe. Who were you? I just am interested to know. And then for other people who may be applying for the award, how would just the the nuts and bolts of it work? I mean, you 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 got given a grant, and you. Use that money, I assume, also to fly over there. And did, who set up your your uh, your meetings and your you know? How did you get all of that worked out? I just I just am curious to know. Um. Well, Jason Hines helped me out a lot. <laughs> Is he your point person when you get to Europe? Um, what was he like? Your point person when you got over to uh, to Europe, or did you 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 you, you did your preliminary work with Jason? I did my pre- preliminary work with Jason and his Spanish cheese importer at Neil's Yard, uh, Roy. Ah. Um, and I do not say his last name right. I'm sorry, Roy. But Criera, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I'm That's terrible. good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so basically Roy put me in touch with three uh, cheese, well, two cheese makers and one cheese distributor in Spain. Um, but both they're all, all over Spain, like one in um Catalonia, and then Cantabria, and then in the middle, more close to Madrid. I'm blanking on the um, region right there. But uh, we basically, the, the the iPhone app, WhatsApp, is oh, how sure. we communicated for a month or so before I left, just trying to confirm. Um, and you know, like, a lot of, within the English language alone, there's a lot of loss in translation when it comes to texting. So only imagine what that would be like when you're trying to talk to Spaniards. <laughs> it wasn't entirely easy, and I had to, it was very re- repetitive, like, so this is what's going on, right? Um, but I had this one, Alvaro, which he's out of Cantabria, and his creamery is called La Jaladia. He was my main guy and he helped me a lot with the Basque region but um was it what kind of cheese did he make there he 
it was a cow milk cheese producer. His their like cash cow like main cheese that they make is a queso fresco style. Okay, very fresh, super buttery. It was delicious. His wife makes butter, delicious butter. Um, and then he was experimenting with aged cheeses, kind of a they call it a wild rind. Um, cheeses where it was like a little bit firm on the outside but soft and creamy on the inside um, and yeah he definitely he called like a couple of the Basque cheesemakers that I visited to confirm and stuff like that so uh, I had one more question for you in regards to that when I listened to your uh, to your earlier interview uh, you know one of the reasons I believe you, you said why you chose the region is because there is a, a Basque population in the Intermountain West, which is a term i 've never heard or used before I listened uh, to that. There was a lot of Basque folks in Utah correct mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, so were you able to make the connection between the, the Basque shepherds that you met over there and the, and the people that are in and around you in Utah uh, a little bit, yeah. I reached out to uh, Marcia Barnaga in California, um, but then I also reached out to this woman, Monique Lexalt, who is the daughter of Robert Lexalt, who's a famous Basque uh, American historian and author. He has uh, multiple books that are really great. But I, I talked to her about the Basque culture, and she's a lawyer, but she also works with the Center of Basque Studies at the University of Nevada in Reno. Um, and I was able to make the connection there of, like, wondering, in, in similar in the West, just they are in Spain, they're very private people. Um, so it wasn't until recently that I was able to tap into the Utah Basque Club. Um, but uh, Monique was definitely very insightful into the culture and, like, community that's around, um, you know, Nevada, Montana, Idaho, and uh, Utah and Wyoming. Cool. And for anyone that doesn't know, Jess is a cheesemaker at Beehive in Utah. And um, I was wondering also, did uh, did your experience change the way you make cheese? Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. We're definitely thinking of um, some new ideas here at Beehive, and there definitely there's going to be a little bit of Basque influence into the cheeses that we produce for sure. What? Mm-hmm. Um, how so? Just in the in the in the styles or in the. Uh... Um, and yeah, not necessarily the style, um, just because the Basque make is predominantly sheep's milk cheese. Right. We're sticking with the cow's milk, but I'm going to try to incorporate the fact that they, you know, they um, open air age, and there's a the brining and the drying happens a little bit longer, um, and just try to build a natural rind in this very dry environment. In the hop in the high desert. Yep. <laughs> Try to get some stuff desert. to grow yep. there. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and Emily is um, is working at the Tamales Bay uh, Creamery, and I mean Tamales Bay Foods, in, um, up in Point Reyes Station. And um, I was wondering just what do you I, – I know I've asked you this before, but what, like, what do you – do you, do you want to uh, learn more about aging cheeses so that you can bring that back to Tamales Bay? You know, I I don't know. You know, I'm not I'm not sure how that um, you, you know how how that will work yet. I think um, at this point, you know, it, it's it's as I said, more just learning about this sort of this stage of of cheese care. You know, um, kind of as a as a as a point between cheesemaker and consumer. You know, and um, and sort of how um, 
you know, how, how that works. I mean, in the U.S., you know, a lot of it happens with the cheesemaker um, currently, but, you know, is, is there a role that, um, that a distributor or a retailer can play? Is there more of a role that somebody in, in that position can play? Um, I think, you know, I think that's kind of the, the main thing I'm interested in. I mean, clearly in the U.S. we're faced with a lot of, you know, potential regulatory issues, you know, and, and things that are going to be slightly different from um, how, you know, how it's set up in France. But you worked up at Formaggio Kitchen, right? It, Formaggio it Kitchen in Boston and Cambridge, yeah. and they have a they have an aging cave there, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that program has evolved a lot. I mean, it, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, when I was there, at least it was less, um, you know, sort of actively aging, uh, you know, young cheese. It was more just a way, um, a lot of it was a way just to sort of hold cheese and care for it, um, you know, when, when it arrived, you know, it was a, a way that we could store it um, in proper conditions. Um, I, I, I know that that program, like I said, has evolved a lot since I've left, and I think they, they um, you know, it, it's just, it's changed. They're doing different things now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, clearly there are, there are different, uh, you know, different uh, places in the U.S. that are doing this to varying degrees. I know Murray's has a very extensive program. Um, I've been reading a lot about what Wegmans is doing, um, you know, in upstate New York, you know, so, um, you know, interested in seeing seeing all of these models, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, figuring out sort of how um, sort of how what happens in Europe, how um, these folks who have been doing this for many years um, can can influence um, how similar programs develop in the U.S. I feel like there's less and less um, affineurs in Europe. I feel, or that there is fewer than there were when I went and visited, or uh, the first time I went over, I think it was like in 99. Um, but I feel like some of these people have folded up shop. And uh, I, when I've interviewed other people um, this summer, uh, you know, they've, they've spoken about uh, the transferring of, uh, of a lot of knowledge into the United States, both on a cheese-making and a cheese-mongering uh, level. But my, do, do, you want to, uh, do you want to check out any cheese-making operations? Is that something that interests you, or you you like to be a cheese-monger better? <laughs> sure. No, I'm always interested in, in, in cheese making for sure. Because, I mean, ultimately, I feel like that is, you know, that is who we are working for um, as cheesemongers, you know, as, as distributors. We always um, should be thinking about how we can be getting these cheeses um, to the end, you know, the end consumer in their best condition. So, yes, for sure. I mean, I'm always interested in seeing um, cheese making. It's just professionally something, you know, it's, it's an area that I've had less sort of, you know, professional involvement in, um, you know, I've, I've staged a cheese, ma- you know, with cheesemakers for sure, but, uh, you know, um, I haven't, you know, I haven't made cheese, um, on a, you know, professional basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, and to go to your point too, of, of the entrepreneurs, um, kind of disappearing, you know, that, that certainly is something that, that, um, kind of influenced, um, my thinking, you know, as I was putting this proposal together, I actually found a piece, um, that Daphne had written, um, for the Atlantic, uh, that talked about that, that very phenomenon, just of, of um, you know, a lot of this business kind of disappearing, um, which, you know, just uh, made me think even more about um, sort of the urgency of... of well, you've got to get over there while they're still there, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. You've got to catch these guys while they're still in business, unfortunately. Right, right. yeah. So we're about halfway through. We're going to take a short break, but um, I want to get you guys to stick around, and um, we'll be back in a minute um, with more Cutting the Curd. Cheers. The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd, live in the Heritage Radio Network. I'm uh, on the line with Jess Perry of Beehive and uh, Emily Shorten of Tamales Bay Foods, and we're just talking about the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award. Jess was the winner in 2013. Emily is the, this year's winner. One just got back from Europe. One's going to go to Europe real soon, or at least she's threatening to. I can't get her to tell me where exactly she's going to go. But um, I wanted to um, ask you a question, Jess, not so much for me, but for Emily, um, I was wondering if you had any advice as you were the first winner, um, which is always a cool thing, um, uh, I think, to be the f- to be the first. But it, you know, you, you're if there's anything to, to learn, you're the one who's going to have to teach it to the to the next winners. So if you have any advice for Emily on her trip and how to uh, make the most out of her scholarship. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely reach out to committee members and ask if they have any contacts. I think I didn't really know if, you know, with the first one, there's not a whole lot of rules, as you said, um, and no one's ever done it before, so you don't really know what to do. That's the best way to um, operate. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, but I definitely reach out to committee members. You know, they're there for you, um, and if they don't know someone, they'll know someone who does. Um, I also think it's really important to be flexible, you know, when you're there, um, and then also budget yourself, for sure. I mean, you know your own financial restrictions. Um, and in Europe, you know, with the exchange rate right now, that money can go really fast. So um, know what you can and cannot do. Um, but, yeah, like I said in my, like, announcement, you know, just have fun. <laughs> I mean, Daphne would want you to have that extra glass of wine for sure. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I wondered, you know, because like, Daphne was an old friend of mine, um, I wondered, like, did you feel like, were you thinking of her while you were there? Were you thinking of her and why, and why you applied for the scholarship and that you wanted? I mean, I'm sure you were, but maybe you could expound on that for me. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking of her. Um, and in fact, Alvaro, the cheesemaker that I mentioned who hooked me up with a lot of the Basque cheesemakers, Daphne had come and visited him before. So there was this really kind of, you know, eerie the residue of Daphne. There, you know, it's yeah. like I immediately went on the farm and I just, it just felt really right. And I got goosebumps and, you know, Daphne had been here before. And so I'm going to this place that, you know, she had seen and she probably, you know, asked more questions than me, but, you know, I was still in, like, oh, my God, I'm in Spain. Um, <laughs> but absolutely, yeah, I was thinking of her for sure. She, you know, she, go, she went the extra mile to go, you know, visit these cheesemakers and learn what they were doing. So I just tried to have that same courage um, when I was hesitant on trying to find places. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. I mean, like, when – and I, I know that, that you – you obviously you won the scholarship, so you you were you, you did well. But when you were applying, what just 
what what inspired you to apply was it was it just the travel or was it also her message I think her message you know she had such a great connection with cheese um, you know whether you know with her own heritage as well as just you know this connection with farmers and producers and when I was thinking of my vision that's definitely what I had in mind like why cheese? Why did I choose cheese as my career and my profession and my passion? Um, and what does it mean to me? And so what honestly, what I was really passionate about, which I think is starting to boom here in the West, is there's more and more cheesemakers um, just popping up around the American West. So I wanted to make this connection between a place that I've grown to love, um, just the mountains and honestly, the skiing, let's be honest. But yeah, I love you, you always mention the skiing. Anytime I talk to you or in any interview, so, I mean, that's that's, uh, that's a good place to be, obviously. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah. Um, and so I wanted just to make this connection because it was, be, cheese making is, like, this cheese scene is just starting. So I wanted to be a part of that and help it along somehow um, and be an ambassador for Western cheesemakers. That's pretty cool. Emily, mm-hmm. uh, did you feel the same way when you, like, why did you apply? I mean, obviously you did, you, you came through well too, you, cause you won too. <laughs> but uh, were you thinking along those same lines that you wanted to proffer that legacy? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, and you know, I, I liked, um, you know, that the, the award, you know, it was very much about education. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a huge, a huge thing. And I know that was a, you know, obviously a huge um, part of, of what Daphne did, you know, sharing, sharing this information, you know, with, um, with, you know, people in the industry, with, you know, people who eat cheese, you know, just with, with everyone. So, um, you know, that definitely uh, was, was a large part of um, the, you know, my interest in applying. Um, I actually, I only, you know, I, I met Daphne actually only once, um, but I am continually, you know, just amazed um, by the number of people. I Where did you meet her? I met her, uh, actually, uh, it was just after I arrived in California. It was at a class at the cheese school. At San cheese school in San Francisco. Was, what year yeah, was that? Was. That must have been in, uh, it was in 2011 when I moved here. So, um, yeah, it was that fall. Um, but I am, you know, I continually uh, meet people who have, um, you know, Ben, who have worked with her, uh, including, you know, Deborah Dickerson, who is, who is our sales manager here at Tomorrow's Day. I had her on last her, week. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of her, one of her closest friends and uh, coworkers. So um, just a number of people who have, who have been um, influenced by Daphne, who have worked with her, you know, mentored by her, um, continues to, you know, continues to, uh, to impact me. It's so funny when I when I talk to you um, because I I order cheese from you a lot. Um, <laughs> when I talk to you um, about that, you're very different, and I I could be wrong, but you you seem kind of surprised that you uh, that you won this or like I, I that you won the the, the scholarship. Is it? But I, <laughs> I yeah I, I I mean I am as I said it's um yeah it's been a little overwhelming. I <laughs> you know I I guess I guess. It's interesting because I guess you don't apply without you know without considering the possibility that you might that you might win. <laughs> no, that's why you apply. Um, but but still, <laughs> you know, I, I know that there was very stiff competition. You know, I, I obviously you know there were there were a lot of applicants, um, and I'm I don't I'm not 
as familiar with all of the, you know, the other proposals, but I'm, I'm sure they were all wonderful. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, You're yeah. the winner. I it, mean, is, it is a tremendous honor. <laughs> that's great. No, I, I, I think it's interesting. Um, and, uh, but I, but I mean, that's, that's your, that's your style. I totally, I totally get that. Um, <laughs> I, I also like the, uh, the fact that the first winner was a cheesemaker and the second, uh, the second winner was a cheesemonger because, uh, both of you will have a, a totally different, um, a different experience. Um, when you go there, um, I was wondering, Jess, if you just you, you could just uh, tell me what do you think the next step is for you, just to keep on going? Is it to take your uh, take your uh, the things that you learned in the Basque country and uh, and apply them to to Beehive? Or are you uh, what, what are you thinking? What's your future? Um. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm. I know you're not with... moving anywhere flat, what? but that's uh, about it. You know. Wait, what? I said, I know you're not moving anywhere without mountains to ski on. Yeah, but. yes. There will be no, yes. <laughs> mountains are a must. Um, but uh, I'm talking to the Utah Basque Club next month. And I hope from that experience, you know, one, I have to completely redo my presentation because I'm not talking to a cheese audience. I'm talking to a Basque audience. So, you know, I cannot screw that one up. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but I'm really interested in what, in, what they have to teach me because um, I know I learned a lot over in Spain, but I know that I'm going to be able to learn so much more about the culture here in the American West. So then I hope from there I learn more about the Basque culture, you know, in Idaho and Utah, Wyoming and Montana. And, and I'm able to talk to those, like, the regions, clubs in each state, um, and just learn more about their culture. But I also definitely plan on um, trying to influence, like the techniques that I've learned in Spain will definitely influence the cheeses that I make at Beehive from here on out. Um, And not only that, I hope to reach out to, you know, a lot of the other Western producers and see what they do and kind of work together in trying to build a great community of cheesemakers out here in the drier climates. That's cool. It sounds like the award got you out of your element and out of things you were comfortable with. It got you traveling, um, got mm-hmm. you speaking to people in uh, their obscure language that you had to figure out, and you oh, had to God. get a, get across at least one mountain range and find some yes. cheesemakers. You did all of that. Um, you you made cheese while you were there, I imagine. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. They wouldn't even. That's the thing. Didn't... They wouldn't they let you near. They were so private that they didn't let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's funny. I, I wondered that. I wondered that. Um, so, but but in and of itself, you got you got there, and you got you have a yeah. lot to bring back, which is super mm-hmm. cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll take it far. And uh, Emily, you, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to go. <laughs> you can... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to figure out where. No, I yeah. I'm thinking it'll probably be early next spring. Um, yeah, I mean, and as Jess said, you know, it's, it's kind of just a, a matter of figuring out, um, you know, kind of how, how it's going to all fit together. So, Well, if I could um, give you one, one bit of advice or at least maybe a place you want to go. One time when I was traveling there, sure. I mm-hmm. was in uh, northern, uh, northern France, and uh, we, I went to Boulogne and Philippe, uh, <laughs> visited a gentleman named Philippe um, uh, Olivier, who has a crazy little aging cellar right there almost on the ocean. So, and I really liked it up there in the north part of France. So I don't know if you find Great. yourself up there, you can stay in a monastery, you know, and uh, 
through that. I don't know if that interests you at all. Yeah, yeah. no, that sounds great. I and will. if you want to take me along with you, just to show you yeah. how to get there. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, gals, um, I, want to, uh, I want to thank both of you uh, for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I know I talked to you at the ACS briefly, but I was really glad you came in. Um, and I want to make sure that to all our listeners um, that you go online and donate to the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Award dot org. Uh, it's a great thing. I believe um, they've almost reached their their goals for the year. Um, but it's just fantastic. And um, I want to thank you guys for listening to Cutting the Curd uh, live on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be back next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>